uh, the celebration of the day of the birth of Jesus Christ. We've been asking some basic questions this Advent season, the last few weeks, about the Incarnation. Uh, We might assume that all of our family and friends and neighbors have some idea what the Incarnation is when we talk about the Incarnation. Uh, But we shouldn't assume that. We should take every opportunity to talk about it. That's what we're doing this Advent. So very basically, the Incarnation is when, for our salvation, God became a human, Jesus. And over the last few weeks, we've asked pretty basic questions. Who is this incarnate one? He's both God and man, fully and truly God and fully and truly human. What did the incarnation accomplish? This great exchange where he took our place so that we could take his place. He gave his life so that we could be adopted as sons of God. And why did God do all this? Why did God become a human being? Because he wants to, and that's what kind of God he is. He's humble. He would take the low road like that to reconcile us to himself. So today we're asking how. How did God become a human? Uh, How did the Son of God come in the flesh? Honestly, I think that's the most difficult question of them all, and we shouldn't presume that we can understand everything about it. The how question is a difficult one. Pretty frequently you'll you'll hear me say around here something like, um, you know, we know... We know that X is true, we just don't know how it can be true, right? We know that God is sovereign and we're responsible for our, our actions before him. We just don't know how both those things can be true. We know, we know that God is triune, three persons, one being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly how that works, right? So uh, we're content not knowing everything. Because that's, that's a difficult question, this how question is a difficult one. Because we're not God. We don't know everything, and we can be content not knowing everything. Because he doesn't expect us to know everything. He doesn't require us to know everything. He didn't make us so that we would know everything. <clears throat> it really is proper to our place as his creatures to live with God without insisting on knowing everything ourselves. But... But God has revealed quite a bit about himself and his ways. He has revealed himself to us, especially in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have the delightful privilege of exploring him, exploring what he's made known to us, exploring him as he's made himself known to us. And and he has told us something of how he became a human in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's our glory to be able to search these things out. So so that's what we're going to do this morning. So let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, we come to you humbly, probably not humbly enough, um, but asking for your help, asking for your wisdom, asking for your Holy Spirit so that we can understand your word. We pray for this help that you seem to be ready and willing to give, as you've declared in the scriptures, you're you're willing to to help people who come and ask for it. So we ask for it now. We ask for your help in understanding your word in Jesus' name. Amen. In the sixth month, and this is the sixth month of um, Mary's cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So there's quite a lot to discuss in this passage, and we've discussed it before in a series on Luke's Gospel a few years back, Um, but this morning I want to talk actually mostly just about the last couple verses, verses 34 and 35. Very specifically, you have in these two verses, very explicitly, uh, the biblical basis for the all-important phrases in the Christian creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. You have that almost verbatim in these two verses. The creeds, which I just quoted, the the creeds that we confess uh, are a distillation of the most fundamental teachings of Scripture. You have the Bible, and the creeds are trying to understand what's the most important... (laughs) aspects of what the Bible's trying to communicate here. What are we trying to understand here from the Scripture about God and about our life with God? And the creeds are the distillation of that. Um, and, and these phrases, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, these phrases are central to our confession of faith. These phrases are vital to our confession of faith. Without these phrases, you have no gospel. Without these phrases, you have no Christianity. You have no Christian faith. These are the miracles. These are the mysteries that are at the heart of what we believe. This is the very point on which the incarnation itself stands or falls. And all the rest of our doctrine along with it. Um, So, Jesus, Jesus is a controversial figure. That may be an understatement. He's probably the most controversial figure uh, who's ever lived. The whole world, as they come into contact with Jesus, as they encounter Jesus, the whole world finds itself judged by Jesus. Uh, There's no denying his importance. There's no denying his influence in the world. But, you know, if people could somehow somehow dismiss and deny the fact that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, then maybe they could write him off entirely. Maybe he wouldn't be that important. Maybe he wouldn't be that influential. We don't have to treat him that way anyway. He'd have no unique claims in the world if we could just sort of dismiss or deny the fact that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We'd be justified in paying no attention to him at all. You know, certainly no more special attention than we'd pay to anybody else. If he's just another ordinary man like the rest of us, it doesn't matter how good he is. 
It doesn't matter how wise he is, really. He doesn't bring anything special to the table, nothing unique. But as it is, we must give our attention to him because he's not just any ordinary man. He has unique claims because of who he is, and we know that who he is is unique, he's holy, in other words, he's set apart, he's distinct from the rest of us. We know that who he is is unique because of how he came into this world. He was not conceived by ordinary human procreation. He was not born of a father and a mother by ordinary generation. We are all of one generation, so to speak, and he's of another entirely. And this is how the scriptures talk about who Jesus is. You gotta start with God. God is, there's one God, not more than one, only one. There is one God who exists in three persons. He's revealed himself to be the Father and the Son in the eternal communion of the Holy Spirit and the second person of the Trinity, usually in the way we order the the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity, the Son. He's the eternal Lord, and he's God. He's eternally begotten of the Father through the Holy Spirit. There was never a point before the Son was begotten of the Father where he wasn't begotten of the Father through the Holy Spirit. He has been, he is, and he ever shall be God, this begotten God, fully God, the whole God, not just part God. When you see the Son, you're seeing the whole God. And he's always been this God. The Son is also known as the Word of God. And he's the one through whom all things were made. You think back to the creation of the world that's recorded for us in Genesis 1. It's when God spoke that things sprang into existence. So the Son, the Word of God, is the one through whom all things were made. He's the Creator. Just as the Father is the Creator, and just as the Spirit is the Creator, one God, before and above and behind all things, three persons, distinct from one another, yet working together, yet taking different roles in creation. And about 2,000 years ago, this God, the Son, that person of God, this God incarnated. He enfleshed. He took on human flesh. He became a human being. The Father did not incarnate. The Spirit did not incarnate. Nevertheless, they're related to the incarnation. They're involved with the incarnation. They work together at the incarnation just as they had at the creation because the incarnation of the Son of God was a new creation. And when God creates, the persons of God work together. In his humanity, Jesus was a new creation. He's a new creation. How the, the Son of God came into the world sets him apart from the rest of creation. How he came into the world sets him apart. He is holy. When Mary first hears that her miracle child will be called the Son of the Most High, She's a bit incredulous, and she has a hard time understanding, right, comprehending. And she asks, we think would be a perfectly reasonable question, how 
how is this going to happen? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Right? She's probably in the age range of um, scandalously maybe 12 to 16 years old. Really too young to be having children. She's engaged to be married. Maybe it's some sort of arranged marriage. But none of the usual preconditions and processes for having children have been met. If you know what I mean. It would be a miracle. Not your usual conception. Not your usual childbirth. So how? That's her question. And the angel's answer tells us a lot. In verse 35, the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's sort of saying the same thing twice in different ways. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the angel tells her, tells Mary, how? Then he tells her that the how, how this is going to happen, this is... This is what makes this child special. This is why this child will be unique and holy and set apart. Because of how this happens. How? The Holy Spirit. The one who is the power of the Most High God. The one who hovered over the face of the waters at creation. Whatever that means. Thanks for reading that, Joe, in the Old Testament reading. The Spirit hovered over the face of the waters at creation. He's going to overshadow Mary in this moment of new creation. Therefore, because this is the way in which the Savior comes into the world, because this is the answer to the how question, the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Since the child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, he will be holy. He'll be unique. He'll be different from all others, the very Son of God in the flesh. So the how of the incarnation is very important. If Jesus were not conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he would not be unique. He would not be a new creation. He would not be God the Son, come in the flesh. If not for his spiritual conception, he would just be a run-of-the-mill guy. But we needed someone more. We needed someone new. We needed a Redeemer come from outside this generation to restore us, because if something is broken, it can't very well fix itself. We needed someone to fix us who came from the outside. Look around at the whole living race, all seven billion, however many odd people there are, alive today, for all the pep talk that you might hear about the special uniqueness of each and every single individual, all seven billion, you will never find someone who can save us from ourselves. You will only find people who need to be saved from themselves, just like the rest of us in this generation. Jesus had to be a new creation. He had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And here's the really important thing about how the incarnation happened. It was a creative work of God in the concert of three persons. It was a collaborative effort, you could say. That's incredibly important. God the Son was no 
standard Western action hero, Clint Eastwood kind of guy, right? God the Son is not someone who, when presented with a partner to go out and parole the streets, says, nah, I work better on my own, thanks. That's not him. That's not what kind of savior he is. Maybe you can relate to this. Jerry and I are well aware of the fact that it's very hard for us to work together on projects around the home. I'd much rather do it all myself. I work best on my own. Then at least the job gets done and who cares about anything else, right? At some deep level, that's exactly what's wrong with us all. That's exactly what's wrong with us. But the Son of God is different. That's not how he came to save us. The the Son didn't just take the initiative and exercise his own power and thrust himself into a human reality. It was the Father's will. It was the Father's volition. It was the Father's plan. And he's no one if he's not his Father's son. He receives his identity being the Father's Son. And it was not by his own power, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was conceived. It was by the one who is himself the very love of God. The one who unites people in himself in true peace and fellowship. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's the one whose power, by whose power the Son of God was conceived as a as a human being. In a sense, the Son was passive. At the incarnation, he was responsive. He was submissive. Becoming human was largely something that happened to him. It was something for him to receive. He did not beget himself. He did not conceive himself. He was begotten of the Father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Of all the people ever born who styled themselves Self-made men, which is really a joke when you stop to think about it for just a second. It could not be clearer that this is not who Jesus is. He's not a self-made man. Jesus receives who he is from God. That's how the incarnation happened. And in fact, that's how Jesus lived his whole life, not seeking his own will but always looking to his Father's will. He says over and over again in John's Gospel, which we've been looking at for a year or so, um, I do nothing of my own accord. I, I just look to the Father. I do what he says. He's not living by his own power, but always acting by the power of the Holy Spirit. All the miracles he performed was not out of his own power. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives. He didn't just come into the world this way. He lives receptively and responsively to God. God is his Father, and God's Spirit is his Spirit. And that's what it means for God the Son to be who he is in his human nature and in his divine nature. That's that's how the incarnation happened. That's how Jesus lived, because that's how God lives eternally. That's how he's always lived. What we see here in Jesus' unique humanity, it tells us what God is like. God the Father is living vicariously through his responsive Son by the communion, the power, the love of the Holy Spirit. 
this, this cooperation, this concert, this unity in all activity, that's how God lives. That's how God creates. That's how God does everything that he does. And it's revealed to us in how God came in the flesh to relate to us, to be with us, to save us. The wonderful thing about it all for us is that while Jesus is absolutely unique, scan the globe all around throughout history, no one is like this. While Jesus is absolutely unique, who he is, his relationship with God, the fact that he receives his identity and lives, lives receptively and responsively to God, <clears throat> his relationship with God is exactly what he came to share with all of us. He's unique, but what makes him unique? He's giving to us as a gift of his grace. Jesus is God's son because of his unique relationship with God as his father through the conception of the Holy Spirit. But that's how we become children of God, too. That's how we get to relate to God now. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit through faith in him. The Bible says we're born again regenerated, given a new, a new generation, born of the Spirit, a new creation, born from above. That's what the Bible says about those who put their faith in Christ. It says in John chapter 1, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Believers are born differently. They're born again. Jesus had his human birth directly from God in a unique way so that he is the thoroughly spiritual man. But he gives us a new birth like his own by the power of his own spirit, makes, makes us spiritual, makes us a new creation in him. Humanity didn't, didn't generate that. The spirit of God did. <clears throat> through faith in Jesus Christ, all that is true of him in relationship to God is true of us also, vicariously. God is his Father, and God is our Father. God the Spirit is his power for life. God the Holy Spirit is our power for life. How God became truly human is how we become truly human. How Jesus is a new creation is how we are a new creation by the Spirit. How Jesus lives is how we live bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And that's the salvation that we need. We need someone holy, who's unlike the rest of us, come from the outside to live with God the way a human should, receptively and responsively, relationally. We need him to do it on our behalf and to share that life with us, to welcome us into it. And now, because he has come, through faith in him, you have been born of the Spirit into that new kind of human life with God. What do you have that you did not receive? Don't boast as if you made yourselves. Delight yourselves in the Lord. Receive who you are from him. Receive all you have from him. Respond to him with your love and then live together and work together in concert 
unity in action as a reflection of who God is and what he's done in the gospel. Amen. Merry Christmas.